go with our, our speakers for tonight. And uh, there's some great questions that have been uh, thrown in here. And so, uh, Ray, let me uh, start with you. Uh, one, one of the ways that you said a church uh, shrinks is that um, when there's, there's little or, or no vision, um, what if uh, you're just fresh out of ideas, things feel stale, uh, you feel like things have dried up, um, what do you do? How, how do you... How do you find fresh vision? Yeah, um, I think number one is uh, I've, I understand God's always got a great future for me. So uh, I would ask him for new revelation, new things, new uh, insights that come from heaven. It's really... Um, it's in your prayer life. It's in my, in my prayer life, number one. But number two is that I it's always important that we expose ourselves to people who are ahead of us, not to copy them. I found it's always dangerous to try and copy because we've got a different group of people. But, it's, but when we expose ourselves to people who are ahead of us, maybe three or four steps, they're things that God can use to enlarge our hearts. And when our heart is enlarged, uh, comes a large vision which we can come across. So you're talking about going to visit spend time with, talk to, read, read about read, them, that sort of thing. That sort of thing. Yeah. It can be. Uh, if I look back in my life, probably um, I, I could count maybe on, on one hand people that have really deeply affected my vision, mm. but, but I've exposed myself to those five. Okay. Uh, and it's dangerous to expose yourself to 105. <laughs> sure. <laughs> But okay. I think God has key, pe key people that we yeah. can. Yeah. Great. Another question for you, Ray, is that you, you spoke about not being a dictator. Uh, the question is, is that you know, to be a visionary, to be a leader, to be a church planter, you've sometimes got to make strong calls. You've got to lead strong. Where's the line leading strong and being a dictator? Yeah. You know, Jesus was a strong leader, but he was a loving strong leader. And I, I think that, that the foundation for good decisions of that strength needs to be uh, come out of the questions we ask. What brings most glory to God and most help to people? Mm. It's not when we're just defending ourselves. Mm. And so uh, we can make strong decisions when it's for God's glory and, and it's when for people's good. Yeah, oh, great. So this question's probably aimed at, at me, um, so I'm going to answer it, and then uh, Ray, I think uh, maybe you could have another crack at it, because you've been a visionary for double the time that I have. Um, but how do you identify activators? So I, one of the, the point I was making was that um, for you to keep your credibility as a visionary, you've got to have with you activators, who, so that actually not just, you know, talking pipe dreams, building castles in the sky. So... Um, I've got a, a number of ways of, of doing that, is that I look at their private life. So um, if a man's or a woman's private world is constantly in a mess, things aren't attended to, balls are getting dropped, uh, he's not an activator. Uh, he, well, he might, you know, like to activate things in fits and starts, but he, he, he's not going to be helpful in the way that we've described it. Uh, in, in addition to that, I, I look at other people's 
relationship with them? Do they depend on them? So when I mean an activator, I'm saying someone who, can, who is responsible, someone you can depend on, and someone who, who says, when would you like me to do it? Uh, most activators will have diaries, will have deadlines, and will give them themselves. We, someone who, who can get a job done for you um, is helpful to have on a team. But the type of activators that I need to help you work in a, with a vision are those who self-start, and you can generally see them in their, in their private life. There are other tools that you can use, uh, like the Myers-Briggs personality test and the strength finder uh, test, looking at what you, the way you lean, which are, are helpful tools that you, you could look up and, and look at. But I, I personally think you look at the, their private world, you're faithful with a little, you'll be entrusted with much. Mm. Faithful with his own stuff, you can trust him with eternal stuff. Ray, how else would you find I think more or less in the same thing, but uh, I found over the years that I, uh, that I will look for guys that I think there's a calling on. I will give them responsibilities, and then I watch how they handle it. Mm-hmm. And if they handled it well with commitment and uh, I don't have to push and shove and phone up uh, the whole time, I know that there's something of Mm. an activator there Mm. and you can give more and more. Mm. Great. Um, Ray, you spoke about leaders blowing it with with sin and that causing a church to stagnate. Um, The question is, what if there's a, a leader out there who hasn't dealt with something, sitting with it right now. What do you say that as a father in the faith, what do you say to that person on one of those three issues, the money one, the power one, or the sex one? You know, um, uh, it just never pays to hide sin. And uh, and so I think there is a wise way to do it. I, and this is why I think relationship with the translocal team is so important, particularly at a leadership level, particularly if you are the leader, is to be able to bring somebody responsible uh, and, uh, and then to deal with the issue. And, and, and I think we need to understand that if I, as over the years uh, we've had to deal with serious issues. But the motivation that we've always had is, is always to try and see that person coming back again yeah. and stronger. Yeah. But if it's not dealt with, that person will start to shrink outside, live in guilt, and actually the, they will die slowly. It's much better to face it, uh, go through the issue. One of the, the uh, And when you say deal with it, you're saying confess, confess bring it out it, into the light. Bring it out into the light. And, and trust that that person on that apostolic team is going to handle it biblically? I think as, a, as an apostolic team, we've always been taught that at the end of the day, we're wanting to see people brought restored. back again and yeah. restored. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, one last one for you, and then we move over to um, the millennial. Um, conflict in church leadership. What happens if you just keep having it? So in other words, it's, it's become a pattern. So you're the church planter, you're the visionary, you're the leader, and it just happens again and again. What, what, what would you say is wrong there? Yeah, um, 
I think it probably needs somebody from the outside to gauge what the root problem is. Because mm. if it's anything that recurs again and again, there's a root to that. Mm. And sometimes, as a leader, we can't see it ourselves. We, mm. We're doing our best, but there's a root there mm. that, again, uh, might seem playing the same harp chord again. A relationship to translocal team can be yeah. so important where somebody could come in where we know that that team guy loves us, loves the church, loves the people, yeah. and can be objective and hear what the people are saying and to be able to help deal with the very root of that recurring it's an amazing problem. thing to me. I mean, Ray has been in ministry for 50 years, planted the church that I've got the privilege of being part of at the moment. And um, Ray, I know that this is your story, that back in 1983, when you had to deal with a big issue on your leadership team, uh, you called in the translocal team. And it's something that I've been really grateful for, that you set that as a value, that we're not an island, we don't live by ourselves. And when there's issues of what we believe or discipline or finances that that we that we live dependent on interdependent with with this team and um, I've, I've always felt very very safe knowing that that you have people speaking into your life and that you've set that up around us and and so it's amazing to me that that has been something you've come back to on most of these critical issues and it's a big one for for pastors any last comment right before I move over to TK on that that's fantastic TK I mean, you said glitz, glamour, didn't impress guys much, skeptical mm. of, but the question is, what's the biggest turnoff to young people? <laughs> I, I think I, it's probably been written by an old person, this question. Yeah. So, you know, when an old bullet like me yeah. comes in and starts to work with you and minister with you, what's the biggest turnoff? Yeah, I, I, think, I think a couple of things. I think one of the things is, is trying too hard. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but... Trying too hard to be like, hey, we, we're trying to do everything for you. I'm not the person I am anymore. I'm just, I'm wearing. So if Ray, you know, put skinny jeans on and cut those holes <laughs> into those jeans, you wouldn't be impressed. Uh, I'd be terrified. <laughs> I, like, I, I like Ray how he is. He's perfect. <laughs> um, and, but I think that uh, the opposite is also true. Where it's just like complete neglect and um, uh, complete neglect to the point where there's just no space. For, for young people to even thrive or just to, to go there. So I think there's, I think there's that, that middle point, basically, where it's completely off the charts, inauthentic, trying to do everything. And then there's the other point where it's, hey, we, we, don't, we don't care about you. This is, this is what we're doing. And, and I think a lot of that also comes down to hey, what does the makeup look like of who's on stage, who's at the door, who's on the teams, mm. and things like that, which is, which yeah. is really helpful. That's a great question. What would you say to a young guy who clashes with the older leaders? <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think the young people, and I remember when I, when I first got saved, I, I had this issue. And I think that at the end of the day, there's, there's, a, there's a bridge that needs, a trust bridge that needs to happen. And I think... And I know it sounds weird, but it's almost like points built up where it's be like, hey, we've, we've built a bridge of trust. Here's, here's my perspective. Here's what I honestly think. I think young people don't do themselves a service a lot of the time when they just come and think, you guys are dumb. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. But it's, it's a relationship. And I think once that relationship's built and there's, and there's a, a communitas, you've been through a few battles together on the front lines, 
I think that helps build trust for that mm-hmm. for that next thing that yeah. that comes up. Yeah, that's great. And you sort of covered this question, but how young is too young to lead? I, I think leadership starts as soon as someone responds to Jesus, and and I think children can respond to Jesus. And um, I think there's obviously different. Um, different levels of responsibility, but I think leadership starts as soon as someone can lead themselves, and then once they've led themselves, they can lead other people. Um, so I, I don't think there's an age number on that Great. Um, when it comes to leadership. Great. Yeah, yeah, and that's been uh, our story here, hasn't it? Seeing little, mm. little guys, young guys. I had a dad say to me the other day, uh, he's got a uh, 12-year-old son and a 10-year-old son. And just the longing in his heart was that these guys would be given the microphone at the prayer meeting. And I thought, man, that is <laughs> fantastic. And yeah, I, mean, I remember at that yeah. prayer meeting, as I think it was the prayer meeting I was here. Is that it? Yeah, you know, he's dreaming about other prayer meetings. All right, well, yeah. we had a prayer meeting here where we got uh, eight or nine-year-olds to pray. And I was so humbled by the end of it. I thought, yo, my prayers are small. My prayers are, <laughs> are tiny. And uh, I remember getting up afterwards, I was like, well, everyone's prayed for the world, for the disease to go away. Everyone. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think, I think also young leaders can keep reminding us of yeah, the good perspective, beautiful, which eh? is huge. So here is a great question. And Ray, I think yeah, this sort of bleeds over into your area as well. So you said, DK, that they want to ask questions. These things are interactive. The, the platforms that they engage on. So, so this is the question. There are a lot of armchair theologians. So in other words, they've all got their own view and they want to express it and they want to challenge it. How subjective is theology? That's a sure. cool question. Cool. Didn't you say it's for Ray? <laughs> <laughs> you going first. <laughs> so with these I young think... guys saying, I want to debate everything. Yeah. What's, what's not up for debate? I think I think a couple of things. I think when it comes to online, you have to you have to say that it's amazing that Jesus never argued anyone into the kingdom, never argued anyone into the kingdom. He loved people into the kingdom, and so you can quickly separate who's trying to stir something, or who's genuinely asking questions about about God. And I think people. People, a lot of people don't leave the church because, you know, they disagreed theologically. A lot of it's got to do with a whole bunch of other things. But many few people left the church because they didn't agree with something that Jesus said. So pointing people constantly back to Jesus, back to Jesus, back to Jesus, even if the, the, the debate goes on to, you know, what happened in Genesis, who married who, whatever. If we keep pointing it back to Jesus, people need to fall in love with Jesus, not a logical argument. Mm. And I think we need constantly, especially with young people, constantly pointing them back that this is who Jesus is, this is what he's like. And I think that that help really helps distinguish people to say, hey, I trust in what Jesus said in his word. And that's what's true for me. And once you understand that, it begins to unlock other parts of the Bible that you might have questions about. That's a great, that's a great point you make, particularly with Jesus not arguing someone into the kingdom. Uh, while you said it, I thought straight away of the Pharisees, because the Pharisees came with their yeah, questions to trick him. And, and often he was quite impolite, you know, calling them all mm. sorts of names. Mm. Um, but then a Pharisee named Nicodemus came. One night, at night, undercover, genuinely wanting to know about eternal life, and he gave him the answer. Sure. 
Amazing. Not so true. Oh, good answer, TK. Mm. Uh, Ray, have you got any other thought? What's up for debate with all this questioning yeah. that's going on? Look, uh, debate is not a is not the real issue. What I look for is the attitude of heart, and then to also to understand that actually theology is not a mind concept, it's a life-changing concept, yeah, and to bring it around to shaping their lives mm. with the truth that's been mm. taught, rather than just argue about mm. it. Yeah.